Hello, friends. It's Yolando. This is a special episode of Two Pastors Take a Walk and Make a Podcast. It's special for two reasons. Number one, Kate shares something that's very close to her heart. And two, it's special because, well, I forgot to change the batteries in our recording device, and it stopped recording in the middle of the episode. So this is a shorter podcast than usual. Please forgive the abrupt ending. And as always, thank you for listening. Hey, this is Kate. Welcome to Two Pastors, Take a Walk, and Make a Podcast. This is Yolando, and as always, we're talking about what is astonishing us, what we're thinking about, and what we are preaching. And I would like to go first today, if that's okay. What? I know. Um, (laughs) I um, want to combine what is astonishing me and what I'm thinking about, and I'm just going to say that I am going to speak in generalities right now. Um, and I'm sorry if that's annoying, but I just think that that is appropriate in this instance, um, and maybe won't be appropriate later. And, um, I just want to be transparent and share that, um, I'm really wrestling with the impact of some of the choices that I made in one of our previous podcast when we were unpacking something together. And in my part, just my, my part is what I want to speak about. I made a series of assumptions in how I was processing what we were talking about. And obviously the thing about assumptions are (laughs) that you're very rare, you're very rarely aware that you are operating in assumptions while you're operating in them. Right. And so that's what makes them so tricky. Um, and it's kind of a human thing to make assumptions and in and of itself, that's not, um, you know, you make an assumption and you apologize and you move on what I am processing and sitting with and just feeling, um, in I think appropriate ways is that a lot of my assumptions were formed by the way that I am formed by white supremacy culture that we live in. And I, very much believe that the kingdom of God is in complete and total opposition to white supremacy, that there's no overlap on the Venn diagram between the shalom that we were created for and that we are returned to in Jesus and the culture of white supremacy. Um, And what is not new news to me is that all of us, um, regardless of our ethnicity, are we live in a white supremacist culture and we're formed by that culture sometimes in ways that we're aware of and we can actively combat and sometimes in ways that we're not aware of and sometimes in ways that we're aware of and we're not good at actively combating right and so it's just always deeply painful to discover yourself operating under the influence of um, a power and principality that you aspirationally are really opposed to. And that's really disappointing. And, um, I think, and to discover that your choices, um, were 
caused real pain and harm to someone that you want to honor and support and, um, you know, and be an ally with. And so that, and what's important in this scenario, I want to be clear, is not how I feel about what happened, but how my words, because um, I'm a talker, <laughs> and what we do on this podcast is talk. Shut up. I don't need that look on your face. Um, but how my words harmed someone. And I think, you know, what we believe, it, it, and it's not just belief, it's the revelation of scripture in multiple ways is that words are life-giving and death-dealing. And the way that we speak has the power to build up or to tear down. And regardless of the intention of those words, that the impact that they have um, is, is deep. And um, so they caused pain and harm, and that's really um, awful. And... Um, I also want to use my words to cast a vision for what God is about. And I secondarily want to use my words thoughtfully not to support what I believe God is tearing down and what is passing away. And so it's really disappointing to, um, it's a gift when someone is faithful enough to Jesus and to you to come to you directly and say, Hey, um, this is this is what you did and not in a call out way, but very much in a embodied love of Christ call in way. Um, th that is a really humbling experience. And obviously humility is a, I don't know if it's technically a fruit of the spirit, but I mean, it is a core characteristic of Jesus and life comes from humility. And so um, there's a difference between being in a conversation and have it to have it be a humbling conversation, which is a, a gift. And that is not, it was not a humiliating conversation because it came from a place of great, great graciousness and, and emotional labor from the person that I had most directly harmed with my words. And, um, I just really honor that. And I also think it's one of those experiences where you realize, um, like the beauty of that is, is really almost painful. Right. And, and so I say that, I mean, I think in one ways that's what Jesus is talking about. Like, what do you do when people reveal themselves to be your enemy, um, or to be consciously or unconsciously in league with the forces that are standing against you that like, when you speak words of love and goodness towards them, it is coals of fire, right? Like, I'm not saying that was intentional. It's just like, it's a heavy, it's a heavy, it's a beautiful, glory, heavy burden to receive, to be, to be in need of, and to receive that level of graciousness from someone. Um, and so I'm, I'm really grateful and I, and I don't want to talk any more specifically about it right now, both because I don't have permission and because I don't want to artificially resolve the tension of what I'm sitting with. And I also just, you know, it's not, lost on me. I mean, just the levels of irony in this whole situation are just like <laughs> you could, are the chasms could fit galaxies in them so that I just need to, I want to sit with that. And, um, and, and there are ways that I'm thinking about, you know, how do I carry this forward and how do I look for the redemption of God in it? And how do I allow myself to be formed and shaped by this in ways that are life-giving, um, in the future and, you know, that protect that form ahead of protection around me so that I don't 
allow my pride to lead me down the same paths to cause the same harm. Um, and I also am just really, it's interesting to me how, um, how difficult it is for someone who purports to be a follower of Jesus, who sincerely tries to be a follower of Jesus, like how uncomfortable and how unfamiliar it is to sit and have a conversation with someone about my sin. Like, you know, how unusual it is in the body of Christ to have a space where someone would say like, yes, this thing that you did was, um, you know, I mean, whatever, like, I, I think sin has such a, like a pejorative term and it, and it, you, it's used to separate people when in the reality in the body of Christ, like our common ground is both Jesus and our need for Jesus. And so like, I don't know why I, sh I'm just, I am curious and just noticing like my visceral discomfort with having to confront my sinfulness and my humanity, not in the abstract, but in the concrete, right? Because I would never argue with anyone who would say to me, you know, Kate, you've been formed by white supremacist culture and there are going to be times even when you are actively trying to do the opposite where your actions and choices and words are going to reflect that formation. And I would be like, yes, I accept that that's true. And still, <laughs> like when someone says, okay, here's a time <laughs> that you're just like, wow, like I, I know this intellectually and also, I mean, and I'm not proud of this, but like, it's just interesting to note like how surprised I am and how internally resistant I am to that. And, and just to say like, it's just, that's, you know, where your ego is so loud and, and me, you know, I think one thing, and this is the most important thing, but one thing that is real for white people and again, this is not the most important thing. The most important thing is how we impact our brothers and sisters. But one thing that is real for white people is we don't know how to think realistically about our own whiteness. And like, how do you, you know, how do you differentiate, you know, the parts of your authentic identity that have been malformed by white supremacy culture and then the parts of your identity that are authentically Jesus, like just this construct of whiteness is over everything. And when you're interacting with people, um, you know, there's just a chasm. I, I like the word chasm today, but like, you know, there's just, there's just deep pain. May that, I ask a question? Yes. <laughs> What's the next step? I mean, you mentioned sitting with the discomfort, mm -hmm. if that is the next step, what does that, what does that look like? Well, I mean, I think for me, it's recognizing, like, even after finishing the conversation, like, my instinct is, like, I want to go get on Facebook. Like, I just want to kind of numb and distract myself and, mm. and focus on something that makes me feel good. And I think it's really important um, in terms of growing and becoming healthier and becoming more conformed to the image of Christ that you don't, that you don't rush past that. Right. Um, and you know, it's funny <laughs> irony. Why not? Because I mean, I say this to my daughter, I see it so clearly she's, she's struggling. She struggled last semester in chemistry and she struggled this semester. She's struggling this semester in math. And so she'll, she'll go to take these tests and she'll come into the test really confident and think she's doing really well. And then she'll get the grade back and she's failed and that's obviously like frustrating and it's surprising. Um, 
And her instinct, and I really identify with it, is you just want to be like, I failed the test. Ugh. I'll just study for the next one. And what you don't want to do is go back and look at that test and to see like, oh my gosh, what I did here was like, you know, change the sign of something. Like I, I made these simple mistakes or I really thought I understood this concept and I absolutely didn't. Like what you want to do is just be like, well, I failed that test. Let me put it behind me and hope that if I continue to do the same things, I'll get a different result next time. And I think what's important is that you go back and look at the test and say, like, this is valuable learning opportunity. I've already paid the price. In this case, I've already inflicted the harm on the other person. So one way that redemption happens is to look and pay attention to how did I end up in this space? Um, how did I end up being so unaware um, of the impact of my words and so out of alignment with the values that I want to be in alignment with. So I, so I want to sit with that. And I think, you know, sitting with the incident makes me feel uncomfortable about who I am and who I'm not. And that, you know, surprise, surprise, I'm not some elite special immune, you know, whatever person, like I am a person who continues and will continue to struggle with sin and needs to struggle with it and not acquiesce with it to it. And, um, and I need to pay attention because it, because it costs something. And so I, I don't want to rush past it too quickly and miss the opportunities to be taught by it. And I want to do the work myself because obviously it caused a lot of pain and discomfort. Um, so I don't want to, you know, expect someone else to sit there with me. Like, I mean, Jesus will sit with me in it. And I, and I, you know, it's irony. Like we've just been talking in the church about like being before doing and like, and when you're, you have to feel your feelings and you have to be able to be alone with yourself before you can be alone with God. And I think, you know, when you are right up against the limits of your authenticity and, you know, the space where you're dealing with your own hypocrisy and weakness, like that's hard to sit center and sit with, but it's necessary because if you don't, if you don't face it, then, then it runs the table. So I think, I think I don't want to step too quickly to, well, what are my next steps? Because that is a step towards resolving something that I think it would not be healthy for me or ultimately other people that I'll impact um, to resolve it too quickly. And I also, you know, I think it's important to, sorry, I think it's important to speak in this space about it because, because it happened in this space. Um, and I think one of the things I can do is model for other people that like, we're going to mess up. And I don't mean to say that like, oh, it doesn't matter. We're going to mess up. Like we're going to mess up and it does matter. Um, and I think sometimes white people are so afraid of messing up that it feels like, okay, well, the safe thing to do is disengage. And the safe thing is maybe to find a community that's homogenous so that when I mess up, I don't harm people that my ancestors or my, you know, whatever, like I don't add more to the sum total Or when of you harm. mess up, no one cares. Right. And so I think to be able to say like, look, I, it matters. I messed up. I want to model for other people that you, you want to be a person who someone will come and talk to you about it. You want to receive that as graciousness because it is, and just recognize the gift that has been given to you. Um, and that, 
you know, there's a price to pay for disengagement and a price to pay for engagement. And I think one of the things you lose when you engage is your illusion that you're a, that you're above it or beyond it all, right? Like you can have that illusion if you're not actually in a space where you're in relationships where you um, are intimate with folks and have the kind of trust that they, I mean, I don't want to make this about me because it's not about me. It's really about, um, you know, the person who did ministry towards me. Um, But for me, sir, you know, it's just, it's really complicated and messy and painful Um, and I am disappointed and I don't want to rush past it. And I also just think it's revealing about how much I, I want to, you know, you talk about like, do you want to, do you want to do the work or do you want to look like you've done it? Right. (laughs) Like, I mean, you know, the reality is I want to look like I've done it. Right. Like if it's a, and that's just, I'm not proud of that, but, um, you know, that's a real, that's a real thing. And, and so if I'm aware of it and, and name it, then it helps me recognize, you know, there are just places where I should second guess whether my voice needs to chime in. And there are just places where having an opinion is fine and having an experience is fine. And, but you can ask the question about like, is, is this, you know, does it, does it really need to be shared in this format or in this space? And those are valid questions. And that's not about being canceled. That's about being self-aware of, you know, just like an, an addict would say, I can go into a bar at 2 a.m. and manage not to drink. But why would I put myself and other people at that level of risk? And I think just having a healthy sense of awareness of like, I'm really prone to messing up in certain spaces and I need to really deeply question whether my voice belongs in those spaces and not just assume that it does. And this is the last thing I want to say. I think that there's a lot of conversation right now in ministry in really helpful ways about leadership. Like what does it mean to be a leader and that, learning discrete tasks for ministry doesn't automatically make you a healthy and life-giving leader. And so that's all really good conversation. And outward success. Sure. Numbers, money, whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. And also what we're not having a conversation about is what it looks like to be a follower. And I Mm -hmm. think that that absence of conversation reveals a lot about just the way that ego and pride run the table. It generally in our culture that we attach a lot of honor to being a leader and very little honor to being a follower. And we think that it takes a lot of intentionality um, and excellence to be a good leader. But we then assume, I think, that it doesn't take very much intentionality to be a good follower and that following happens just like by the absence of doing something else. And that's not true. And I think for white people, I mean, people in general, but for white people in to think about, you know, as hard as you might be working to be a thoughtful, good, self-aware leader, you are going to have to maybe put more intentionality and reflection and effort into being a good follower. And in the work of anti-racism and decolonization, like, I really question whether white people need to be leaders in that work. 
and whether our role is to be a good follower and to take some of that energy (laughs) that we devote towards trying to lead in all spaces to saying like, well, what does it look like to be an excellent follower in this space? And I think like that's really what tripped one of the things that tripped me up. And so I just am sitting with it. So that is what I'm astonished by just the grace and wisdom and love that, um, I experienced from, my sibling in Christ who was very faithful in coming to me and um, ministering to me and astonished at just how, you know, how, if I'm honest, how surprised and uncomfortable I I was and that level of discomfort um, and how obvious in hindsight the mistakes that I made were and how blind I were was to them by pride. And I consider myself to be a pretty humble person. And <laughs> like that line in the Pentateuch when <laughs> what is supposedly written by Moses says like, Moses is the most humble of all people, right? Like, oh, I identify with that. Um, and I'm thinking about it and I want to keep thinking about it. So that's it. That's my two for one. And Wow. I don't, you probably don't have much, I don't know. I'm welcome anything you want to say, but I. Well, no, I want to ask a series of questions, but I also want to honor your um, desire, your intention to only say so much in this space at this time so that you can process it some more and say more later. Right. And just check in that what I think is appropriate to say, obviously, like my barometer on what's appropriate. I very directly know was not calibrated to the cross. And so I don't want to just assume that, okay, well, I didn't know what was appropriate to say then, but I can talk about it now and I do know what's appropriate to say for me. And so I just want to also do some more sitting and waiting and and then check in and say like, you know, is this, you know, is this appropriate? Is there any way this will make things worse? Like what, you know, anyway, so. You don't, remember this, you probably won't remember this, but many years ago, probably about 10 years ago, when we were first becoming friends, I informally interviewed you. And you, <laughs> you probably don't remember this conversation. No, you're very subtle. <laughs> yes. I, <laughs> I said to you, you know, you and I are in a series of meetings together. And so I, I see you um, weekly in a space where there are, you know, many pastors. And and I said, you know, I've, I've just been watching you. I've been studying you. And you, you, you tend to process things by speaking them out loud. And I, I asked you, do you think it through first? Or do you just start talking and you, you just work it out as you go? And, and, and I, I sincerely wanted to know because I am a person that tends to work things out internally and after I've worked it out, I tend to then speak. And, and this podcast is challenging for me in, in that way. And you said, you said, no, I just start talking and I, I'm just working it out as, it go, as I go, as I go. And I just found that so fascinating. So it's, to me, it's no surprise that every once in a while, yeah. as you're working it out, because you're, you're, you're just 
you're working it out in a space outside of your own head. You're just putting the words out there, and it's no surprise to me then, then that every once in a while you would cross a line as you're, as you're yeah. speaking and have to pull back. Yeah. That's just no surprise to me. And I, I mean, I think like I, I'm thinking about that because I think that for most people, but I, especially for most women, like you, you go through a process of trying to figure out what's acceptable and, and definitely, I mean, just in the ways that we're socialized in this country generally, you know, speaking out is generally a quality that's deeply admired in men and sometimes less, sometimes less admired in women. And so, um, there've just been, I mean, there've just been stages in my life when really explicitly people have told me like, you need to talk less. And I, and sometimes that's because I take up too much space in the room and it's not about gender. Like I just do, like I watch my kids in some spaces and I'm like, Oh, I owe my 10th grade English teacher an apology because I thought she was trying to like make me conform to the patriarchy. And really she was just saying, you're not the only person in the room whose ideas and opinions matter. Can you leave some space for some other people? Right. So, um, but I think my whole life, I, I think about, you know, just when, how, how to show up authentically in a space and not, and not live with so much trepidation that I don't speak because I'm afraid I'll mess up, but also not show up in a space where, with so much freedom that I'm not aware of how my words might harm other people. And I think like we recently have been um, using that example that was said at one of the church transformation trainings about like Uncle Bob, like, you know, if in your church there's a person and it's Uncle Bob and Uncle Bob walks around with a pin cushion full of sharp pins and Uncle Bob, um, you know, sticks, just walks up and says, good morning, and then stabs somebody with a pen and a visitor is like, what in the world? And you're like, oh, I'm sorry, he stabbed That's you. Just That's just Uncle, Uncle Bob. Bob. And, you know, sometimes I'm Uncle Bob, right? Like, I, and I don't want to be. And so it's about saying, like, well, how do you find – there's not – it's not binary, right? Like, the answer isn't, okay, never speak. Right. And the answer also isn't, well, I'm Everybody just going to show it. up yeah. and be it. me and get over it. Like, that. neither of those two extremes mm -hmm. is healthy. So – Finding that balance is, it's not something that's being externally demanded of me. I mean, it's the Christ in me saying like, yes, I made you to be a verbal processor. I made, I mean, I think sometimes, and we facilitate conversations, it can be very helpful to have someone around a table who's willing to go first, right? It can be very helpful and life-giving to have someone at a table who's willing to say the thing that, you know, and also those people can be unhelpful when they take up too much room. And so it's just hard for me always to figure out how much room I should be taking up around tables and to recognize that that answer is dynamic, right? Like there are some spaces where it's appropriate for me to take up more space. And there's some spaces where it's appropriate for me to take up less space. And there's some spaces where it's appropriate for me to take up no space. And that's real. And, and, um, you know, part of my problem is I, you know, did not recognize the space where my opinion really 
just didn't need to be centered. And so that's not, sometimes those spaces exist. (laughs) And I, and that's again, me saying my values of how I want to walk out in community, not anybody imposing anything on me. Um, so, so yeah, so that is one of the things I'm wrestling with is, you know, if we're going to make this podcast, the point is for us to share some of the real conversations that we have. And we already do a lot of filtering, but we also are trying to be really authentic and trying to model, I think, how to have conversations about race and multi-ethnic communities and Jesus in a life-giving way. I'm trying to model that. And like, I didn't do that well. Um, And one thing that is appropriate for me to do now is model yeah, I messed up and that matters to me. And I'm, um, and I need to figure out what the significance is that of that is for moving forward. So.